All right, Matthew chapter 24, and this is lesson 59. And again, this is a makeup of the time last week, uh, the last message of while we were, computer was broke down uh, there. So we're going to be back here in Matthew 24. We'll start in verse 29 again. And uh, again, the last three video, this video and the last two videos, I'm in the same shirt and outfit and everything. And that's because I'm making all these up in one lump sum. And uh, rather than spend three hours in just one big video, I, we broke them up here, uh, try to get down to uh, up to date on the video record of everything, even though locally we've still been studying and meeting. Hopefully, uh, these have been, uh, the study of Matthew has been a great help for you. And uh, as we continue to look here at what's happening with the little flock and so forth during the tribulation, during the 70th week of Daniel. Now, I left all of the board the same because when we're down here now in verse 30, where he says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And we've been looking at different things about it. We've covered the fact that we are in the the 70th week of, of Daniel. We're in that great tribulation, so we're in the back half of the week. Uh, he's describing the events here that are going to take place after the close of the 70th week, the time of Christ coming back, and the phenomenal there in verse 29 about the sun being darkened, the moon not giving light, and the, the uh, clouds of heaven and the power, all of that uh, structure there, verse 30, and then shall appear the sign of man, um, in heaven then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the trump, with the great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. And I, we, we pointed out the fact that this section is not the rapture of the church, the body of Christ. Uh, and, and it's not an, a time when um, you are, uh, when you and I as members of the body of Christ are even involved in. We're not even remotely looked at. We went over to Revelation 1 where we're talking about uh, prophecy and it's the prophetic issues about him coming back. So th when you sit here, and by the way, when you think about this passage, they are not looking forward to his return. They're going to mourn, the verse says. So uh, you and I, we're going to have a joyful reunion, not only with our loved ones who've died in Christ, but also with our Savior. And uh, we look forward to seeing him. Now, in verse 30, we, we were talking here about the issue of the sign uh, of the Son of Man. And uh, when we talk there here about then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man, uh, it, it is not the sign of the cross, which is what historically it is told, it, it talks about. Historically, it goes back to the Roman Empire under Constantine and so forth. But the sign of the cross uh, in, the, in, in the sky is not the sign of the Son of Man. And uh, you have to understand that, that all through, uh, come over 
to Acts chapter 7, all through Scripture, there are signs and uh, wonders that happen that belong to the nation of Israel. And uh, so, and then in religion, they develop signs, they develop type pictures and everything. Like the Jews on the Jewish, on Israel's flag, they have the Star of David. Now, in the Bible, and by the way, they use that Star of David as the symbol of Israel, but in Scripture, the sign of Israel is the burning bush uh, back in Exodus. Uh, it's not a star, but it's a bush because, a burning bush, because though it burns, it can't be consumed. And that's the point there. Uh, Acts 7 here, Stephen talking to the religious leaders, quoting Amos 5, says, Yea, ye, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Rempham, figures which ye made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So the so-called star of David was introduced into Israel's religious life as a part of Baal worship, quite honestly. And uh, it became a symbol and an icon where they begin to worship the adversary and uh, his religion. And, and they've, he's come in now and polluted them. And uh, the Lord's dealing with them here in, in Matthew. And so it's really, you go all the way back there, all through Scripture. Your Bible is the most complete and wonderful book on pictures and types and signs and all of that. So when you come back here to Matthew 24, and he talks about, then shall appear the sign of man in heaven, it's, it's not strange that they're going to see a sign of, of, of the Son of Man. And it's not strange for you to hear people say it's one thing, and when Scripture is going to say something else. So then the question then is, is what exactly is the sign of the Son of Man? And again, we come over to Mark 14, and they're going to see it. They're going to see the Son of Man coming from, um, in the heavens and so forth, and they're going to see this sign. Now come over to Mark, uh, what did I tell you? Mark 14. Mark 14, and let's just kind of piece this together, if you will, and uh, notice some things that are happening here. Now, Mark 14, uh, Jesus is being interrogated, oh, verse 61, by the high priest. Verse 60, and the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace, and, uh, but he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now notice the verse. He's in two positions. They're going to see him sitting at the, on the right hand and coming in the clouds of heaven. In one position, he's sitting down. Now, when you're sitting, you're stationary. Then he's, they're going to see him coming. Well, when, you, when he's coming, if he's sitting and now he's coming, what did he do? He got up. 
he stood up and he's moving. So you have, you literally have here uh, two different positions. And that's going to be important. Come over with me to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation 6, you have the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel with the there. Now, in this on the board here, I don't have the, the issue of the body of Christ, but we sit right up in here. We're going to be raptured out, meet the Lord in the air, be presented to the Father, and be ready for we go through the judgment seat of Christ and the meeting in the air. We get produced. We get... Uh, uh, brought before the Father, and the Father s- sits there. Mean- and then the Son comes down. In Revelation 6, uh, there's gonna, or Revelation 12 describes this war. But notice, if you will, in Revelation 6 and verse 12. Now, the first four seals happen here. Five seals, sixth seal. Now, we're in the midst of the week, 6-12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell uh, under the earth, even as a fig tree. Drop down to verse number 16, 15. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountain and said to the rocks, uh, said unto, uh, to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from his face, from the face of him that, what, sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand it? In the midst of the week, they see him sitting. Again, two positions. They see him sitting. And they see the seven, when they see the seventh seal open, the heavens roll back as a scroll. And the people on the earth, they look up in the heavens and they see the Son of Man doing what? Sitting. Come over to chapter 11. Revelation 11. They, sit, they see him sitting on the throne, and they see the, the wrath going on, and they say, Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, watch Revelation 11 and verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded. Now, we, now the sixth seal and the sixth angel are seen in chapter 6. The seventh seal reveals seven angels here. Now we're down to the last one of those angels. And he's going to sound, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Okay? Now look at chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. What do do they see? They see a war in heaven, don't they? All right? Verse 7, and there was war in heaven. Uh, Look at verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her 1,203 score days. That's 12. So so we're here in the midst. 
And she's now going to run out to the end underneath that issue of the great tribulation. Verse 7, there was war in heaven. Verse 9, the, 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 the great dragons cast out. Verse 13, and when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, a times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. So obviously Satan is cast out in the middle of the week, the midst of the week, and persecutes the woman there for the last half of the week. All right? Now, what's happening is, is when he draws back the curtain in the midst of the week, and they look up, they see him sitting, and they see him sitting there, and what's he doing? He's at war. They see his wrath, and they see what he's doing there when, when, he, when they see the, uh, the, the Satan getting kicked out, and they're like, hide us, hide us. So position one, he's sitting, and they see it. Now, the sign of the Son of Man... In Numbers 24, it's likened as the star out of Jacob. In Matthew 2, you remember that the wise men saw his star. Now, that star gets compared uh, to the city that is called Zion over there in Hebrews 12. And it's the city of the great king, and it comes out of the third heaven, down into the universe, and it appears in heaven, and they see that sign and understand that an invasion from outer space is taking place. <laughs> okay? The city comes down, that's Zion, but you'll notice we're going to be talking about that second position of him coming. What did Mark Ford? He's sitting, and he's coming. He comes out of heaven's glory down here to the earth and he, bring, when he, bring, and he brings his armies and he's going to wage war and he's going to fight against Satan and all of the nations of the earth as they're called to, um, to, uh, to the battlefield and that's an invasion and that's, that, and, 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 and that's what he's going to do. Now the Antichrist is down here, he's on the earth in, in, in the middle of the week, he becomes the son of perdition. He stands up, he goes into the temple, declares himself to be God. He goes out there around deceiving the nations and that he's God and that that guy coming is Satan. By the way, that's why you see the movies about aliens. Anything coming out of the heavens is usually a bad deal. Star Wars, uh, Star Trek. Aliens, it's everywhere. Why? So that you can, so that population, humanity is conditioned to think that anyone coming out of the heavens out there is uh, is bad news. Satan is deceiving people into believing that he is God, and that the one who's going, who's come, he, he's the one that's going to establish the kingdom, and get causes them to follow him. But yet, rather, he's the antichrist. He's the false Christ. He's the false Messiah, and they're going to take him and fall for him hook, line, and sinker. Now, come over to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. So when we talk about the Son of Man in heaven, again, those two positions. One, he's sitting, Revelation 6, all right? So this is Revelation 6. He's sitting. 
Now we're going to come over here to Revelation 19, and we're going to notice something here. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that was sat a, uh, and 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 uh, he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flaming fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written with, that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the enemies which were in heaven, I'm sorry, the armies, man, uh, the, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen and white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a the rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now that's Christ when he comes back to set it all right. He comes back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that and obey not the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Thessalonians 1. And he's going to come down now and he's going to talk, come over to Isaiah 63. And he's go, that's him coming. That's the second position. All right? So the sign of the Son of Man isn't the sitting, because that's mid. It's going to be, where are we at in Matthew 24? We're talking about his second coming. It's in this issue where they look up and they see all of the planetarial stuff happening, okay? They, they see the war. They see, they've run to the hills. Now they look up, and what do they see? They see the city Zion coming. They see him returning. Isaiah 63, verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom? with dyed garments from Bozrah. Now, Bozrah and Edom, they're south of the Dead Sea. That's the question. This is that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Number, verse 2, question. Wherefore art thou red in thy apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? Verse 3, answer. I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the days of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. Notice that. He's like, hey, I'm out there. I'm like the guys out there stomping around in the grave, the the vineyard, the wine press. And the Lord says, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go back down there, and I'm going to squish them. <laughs> I'm going to annihilate them. And when I get done stomping on them, my whole garment is just going to be blood-stained red. So when Christ comes back, he has a mid-trib appearance, that war in heaven. Come on over to Psalms 50. Psalms 50, and that identifies the fact that he is up in the heavens, and Satan is going to use that to oppose him, and um, Psalms 50, you'll see doctrinally and prophetically here, 
Psalms 50, I had to get there, is a psalm of the second coming, verse 1. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, now notice, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me. Now, there's Matthew 24, 31. Sends the angels out gathers them up. Those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice and the heavens shall declare his righteousness for God is judge himself, Selah. And again, that thing about Selah there, uh, it's, a, it's a rest point. But really it means to stop and think about doctrinally what's going on here. Doctrinally in the passage, it tells Isaiah, it tells Israel, look, you need to take this passage. Don't, just don't read down through this and skip over it. You need to take it. You need to understand that it's describing the second coming, the describing his deliverance, describing his wrath. And you better stop and think about what's going on here when he comes back. And when he comes back, notice he's talking about that city Zion, out of Zion, the perfection. That city in heaven, okay? Acts 7, Stephen sees Christ doing what? Standing. He's at the right hand of God. He's in that city. He's there. And then he stands up. And now he's coming back to do what? Come back. So come back to Matthew 24 here. You have two situations. You, they see him sitting, mid midpoint, the war in heaven. They see that wrath. But then you get to the end out here, and then they see him coming back. Matthew 24, 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. He's not talking so much about the appearing in the middle of the week, but about the sign of the Son of Man out there at the end of the tribulation, during his second coming. They're literally, they're going to literally see him come out of this city down to the earth. And when he comes, he's going to be ready for the battle. And uh, off he's going to go. He's, he's ready to do that. Now, we spent some time in our studying of uh, under on uh, YouTube, it's a playlist called Understanding Israel, where we discuss and study the route of his second coming. And the route of, uh, of the second coming back to Jerusalem, back down through that, uh, we, we, we looked at that issue there. Um, if you will, this will be the Mediterranean Sea, just to kind of give you an idea. Here's the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, and the Dead Sea. And Jerusalem sits off. He comes up out of the north, all right? He's going to come down, and he's going to come down and around and cross over and get to the Mount of Olives over here where he's going to put down. This is Bozrah and Idumea. He burns open that shaft down into hell, Isaiah 63, uh, 6 over there, where they're going to go down there and look down there at the south end. He comes in the Mount of Olives circles up, hovers over Jerusalem, frees Jerusalem. The Antichrist flees up here to the north. He goes up, and then you have the battle 
of Armageddon and so forth out there. So that route there, that information is there, and it's critical to understand because when he comes back and does this, that sign of the Son of Man is him literally looking up and seeing him coming out of that city Zion. Matthew 24, 30, that's what he's talking about. Uh, it, it's, it's like looking up and seeing uh, that uh, planet or the satellite as he's now returning. Uh, verse 30, let's move on. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the, shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The clouds of heaven that he comes with, no doubt, are uh, the angels. There in verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Uh, the issue here, again, gathering of the elect by the angels. Again, this is not the rapture, okay? But rather, he's now going to send out the angels. They have a trumpet. Uh, come back over with me to Isaiah 27. Isaiah 27. And uh, you, this is the prophecy of Matthew 24, 31 here. Isaiah 27 and we'll go over to chapter 26, Isaiah 27, verse 12 and 13. The, the elect in the passage here is Israel, that believing remnant, that faithful remnant. He's, they're scattered abroad. They've scattered under the persecution of Stephen there. We saw that, Acts 8. We look over there in, in, in James 1. They're scattered abroad. They're out there, and he's going to come and gather them back together, okay, back unto, to himself. Isaiah 27, verse 12. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river under the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Chapter, that, chapter 26, flip back there, chapter 26, verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers. Here's his second coming. And shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place. Notice that. To... Punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, and the earth also shall dis, uh, disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Fascinating there. They're going to see him come out of his place. The, that city of Zion has come down. Come over to Amos. Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9, verse 14 and verse 15. Amos 9, 14. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make garments and gardens the fruit of them, and I will plant them upon their land, 
and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Now, when that happens, it isn't going to be like it is over there today. <laughs> They're going to be in that land and dwell safely. And when Christ comes back, he'll fix all of it so that, it ga- so that when you come back to Matthew 24, he gathers them up, his people, his elect, that little flock, that believing remnant, and he's going to plant them in the land. He's going to plant them in the kingdom. Now, verse 31, he talks there at the end of that verse about they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. Now, obviously, the, those are the four points on a compass, north, south, east, and west. And I know what happens. Everybody talks about, well, you know, you know there's, it says the, the four winds of heaven. He's, you know, he's talking about going north, south, east, and west, just like that compass that, and, and, and he's going to get them from all the directions, okay? Now, verse 32, the next parable here uh, is the parable of the fig tree. And we're just going to talk about it briefly, and then we'll look at it more in the next lesson. Because verse 32, now, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves... Ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise, ye, when ye shall see these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. What is near? Well, the end. Christ's coming. Verse 34, Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You've got to be willing, to, they're going to have to be willing to trust his word in, under, in order to understand this. You and I are in the same boat. We're going to have to trust his word to understand. But they are, especially in this day. This parable here is designed to identify the elect that he has specified back up there in verse 31. So in verse 34, when he says this generation, that's the elect of verse 31. So the parable here is a parable from which all of the dating setting for the second coming of Christ comes from in our day. This is the way it's done. Look at verse 33. When you shall see all these things... What things? Well, the fig tree putting forth its leaves. When you see the fig tree do what? Bud. Then the second coming is near. This generation that sees this fig tree bud shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. So what do they say? Well, if you were, in other words, the generation that sees the fig tree bud is going to be the generation that will see Christ come back Gather his elect and set up the kingdom. That's what the passage is teaching. What happens is, by the way, if you were part of the little flock, wouldn't that be a great comfort to you? Sure it would be. If you saw the fig tree bud, then you'd say what? Hey, we're the generation. He's coming back. The problem is, is that this parable gets used by people today in the age of grace, in the dispensation of grace, 
and they fail to recognize that this is uh, prophecy and prophetic program and the fact that Paul's and the dispensation of grace has interrupted this. This is all future. He says, look, when you see this, you're here, we're here. And rather what they do then is they play the old date, the, the date game. And so they say there that the generation that sees Israel bud, because the fig tree represents Israel in scripture, actually the fig tree in uh, Judges 9 you have four, the four trees of Israel listed. By the way, these four trees are in the Garden of Eden. And the vine tree is the national life, and the fig tree is the religious life of Israel. And what happens is, is in Dr. Schofield's notes and in other teachings, those two get flipped. But when you see the fig tree bud, and, and by the way, because they get flipped, and people say, well, the fig tree stands for the national life, and the vine, the religious life. So then they go over there and they looked at, well, when, when did Israel bud? Well, they, he, they budded in 1948. See, they were, they were made a nation, thus the national life. But in Scripture, next time we'll take a look at it maybe, because time, you know, the time this, today. But when the thing of it is, is when you look at Judges 9, the fig tree talks about religious life. And the vine talks about the national life. You go over there in Exodus and he says, I planted a vine in Egypt and it grew, the nation. So anyway, they use 1948. So then they get 1948. All right, get 1948. What's the perfect generation number? 33, that's the Lord's, right? So then what do we come up with? 1981. Right? Now, you have seven years of the tribulation. So you're now you're at 1988. So what do how Lindsay and the boys do? They write books about 1988 being 1981, 1988. So they will say in 81 the rapture was going to happen. Seven years of tribulation. So his return would be in 1988. Problem is, is when 1988 came, 1989 showed up right behind it. It didn't happen. Then you got the big Y2K stuff that happened back 20 years ago. That didn't happen. Now you got 20, what was it, 20-something with the, with the Mayan calendar. That didn't happen. So you got all of this tomfoolery when all you have to do is rightly divide your word and all that goes away, Okay. So we're going to pick up here talking about the fig, the parable of the fig tree. And really the, pop, the problem in the passage that's misunderstood is what the fig tree represents. The, the fig tree in Scripture does not represent the national life of Israel. Rather, it, rep, it is associated with Israel's religious life. And uh, the fig tree has a very clearly defined relationship there with Israel, and it has to do with their religious life. And so we'll pick up with that next time uh, as we continue in Matthew uh, 24. We'll get into that parable uh, just for timing and so forth. I'm not going to get into it now, but we will do it uh, actually in the next lesson, okay? 
All right, dearly Father, we thank you for the for the study here, for your word, that we can look at things and that we can see what uh, is is to transpire in the in your coming back and in that day and what was going to happen to the generation that's there and sees all that come to pass. In your name we pray, amen.